0: The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfil the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Let us bow our hearts and heads in sound preparation for worship. Let us pray. As your people this morning, God, we gather together, desirous of your blessings upon us through Christ Jesus, although we feel unworthy, although we are acutely aware of our sins, God. Nevertheless we praise you, Lord, no matter what has happened. We praise you for your mercy and your love for your long suffering god towards your people towards we god who seem to return to our sins more often than we should go lord who seem to be so weak so inconsistent nevertheless you have covenanted with us you have promised to us salvation and given it to us freely through christ jesus You've given us many blessings god for our souls certainly the many blessings for our body god that we are able to be here in an air-conditioned building Be protected from the elements outside to have stomachs full from a breakfast, Lord, to be comfortable with good clothing. More importantly, God, you've given us your Bible. You've given us your word, Lord. It's a more sure foundation than if a prophet had ever spoken to us. You've given us, Lord, the church, the Holy Spirit and the Bible, Lord, preserving and gathering us together as your people, Lord, from all walks of life. Not only here at Providence, God, but across this state and across this nation, across this world, Lord, the church universal. And God, you've given us pastors and ruling elders and deacons, those who are are there and committed for us and for our good, God, both for our body, deacons, and for our soul, Lord, because they care for us, Lord, and they show acts of kindness towards us, and Lord, even the kindness of reprimand. These, Lord, are blessings from you. These are evidences of your love upon us, Lord, yes, even each other, as you have gathered, Lord, your people, young and old alike, and we talk to one another, encourage one another, and exhort one another, Lord, and comfort one another, Help us, we pray, to continue to love you, to praise your name, to exalt you, God, throughout the week and not just in the Lord's day. To have this day of worship be a day of refreshing in which we are recharged to stand firm to do our duty throughout this week. We pray for your church, God, as expressed in various and sundry churches and denominations, Lord. For the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, in particular, as we are covenanted with them, that you would stand, that they would stand with you, Lord, that your spirit would stand them up and they would be firm and true to your word, both in doctrine and practice not only the General Assembly, God, but all the Presbyterians, Lord, and all the local churches, to withstand the onslaught of the devil, of the world, the flesh, and the devil, of the influence of society, God, of wrong ways of thinking and acting, of excuses, Lord. May we eschew them and flee them, God, and stand firm pray, Lord, for our sister denominations, the PCA, the URC, and others, Lord, the RPCNA, God, above, that you would be with them, that is, those from German and Dutch backgrounds, God, and the American background of the Presbyterian Church in America, Lord, that they too would stand firm, both in doctrine and in practice, that they too would eschew and flee from and reject the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil, that they would stand firm and be aware that the watchmen would be on the towers, Lord, protecting the sheep, Lord, and not caring what other people think, but what you think. I pray that, God, not only for them, Lord, but also for other churches of like faith and practice, Lord, and other churches, Lord, that we don't know much about, Lord, but we think the best of them. We pray for them, Lord, all those that name the name of Christ Jesus, that follow your word to the best of their knowledge and ability, Lord. May they grow faithfulness to your word and in truth and in practice, God, in holiness. Help your church grow in America. Help your church stand firm against the lies gaslighting, Lord. And all other problems and difficulties, God, that come upon us, not only as a church's institution, Lord, but as individual members and as families, God. They'd be protected and preserved, that their pastors would stand firm and protect them and be aware and observant, God, from false lies and wolves disguised as shepherds. Protect and preserve your church, Lord. Help her grow in the midst of what seems to be more shrinking. Our Lord Jesus, we pray, God, for the efforts of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church for home missions, that is to grow locally, Lord, to grow in Colorado, to grow in the Western states, to grow, Lord, across this nation in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, God. Be with that committee, be with those men, and give them wisdom and understanding, and give them men who have been raised up in your providence, God, to establish new churches across America, to understand where to plant them, Lord, to be wise and not be foolish with the funds and talents that you've given them, Lord. Not only as a Committee on the General Assembly, the national level, Lord, but also presbyteries who also have the power to establish local churches, Lord, and also local churches, God, that have men there and have resources to start and daughter another church. Give them, we pray, inside. Lord, may they not be too quick and eager to start something that will fade away without much research and understanding of the times in which we find ourselves in, God. For you have given us your providence. You have given us wisdom to understand, to work and move in this providence, God, to use common sense. And not to be starry-eyed and fanciful, Lord, and how we think churches should start, but grounded in a realism, Lord, and a common sense, hard-headedness. We pray, God, that they would persevere those efforts that we do have, Lord, at all levels of our denomination, God, help those pastors, help those families, Lord. May they persevere. May they find your people, Lord. May they find listening ears. May they find, Lord, those who wish to be drawn together to start a new church. Help us, we pray, God, as your people, do our duties before you. In our families, Lord, and as individuals and as couples. We pray for our health, for our body, God, for you tell us to do that because you do take care of our bodies, Lord. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we pray for those who have chronic ailments that they would persevere and get the help they need for those of us who have recent injuries or problems or sicknesses, God, or hay fever. That we can persevere through that, Lord, and not be distracted on this year, Lord's Day. And we certainly, God, thank you again that we were able to meet in spite of COVID and that we would not go back to restrictions and lockdown, God, and the truth would win out. We ask you, For our families in particular, and for those, Lord, in our families and close to our families, Lord, family members who are not Christians, pray for their souls. We ask, God, that they would flee back to you, that they would embrace the truth, that they would, Lord, see the foolishness of this world without you. Be with us, God, that we would continue to love them, even though we are firm in what we believe, God, and they know it. Give us wisdom, Lord, and humility, and may we continue to learn to be families, God, to have wives submitting to their husbands, to have husbands loving and following you, Lord, and children, Lord, obeying both the parents and loving them and loving the church. Be with us, we pray this morning. Guide us and encourage us. In your name alone we pray. Amen. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves any carved image." or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor know your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Hear also the words of our Lord Jesus, how he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Continue our series in God is part two, Ephesians chapter one, verses seven through fourteen. Well, Let us listen attentively to the word of God in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He had made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time He might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In him, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Let us pray. We here, God, of your power and of your might, of your love and of your wisdom in calling us into salvation, young and old alike. May we learn in this, Lord, and be encouraged by this That you are the one true God. You are the one true, all powerful, all wise, and all loving Lord, God and Master of the universe and of our souls. Help us, we pray, God, to that end, that we may be encouraged, that we may be comforted, that we may be strengthened, God, to carry on as Christians called into your marvelous light. In your name alone we pray, Amen. In Genesis last week, we learned about the three major attributes of God his independence, his infinity, and his immutability. Three eyes. There's actually a fourth one. But I just wanted to keep it simple for you all. These are the characteristics unique to God. Nothing and no one is independent, infinite, nor immutable in this universe. But there are other attributes that he has that we share with in a creaturely way. That is, God is powerful, God is wise, and God is loving. And last I checked, although you don't feel powerful, you're more powerful than an ant. Although you don't feel wise, you're more wise than a dog. And although you don't feel loving sometimes, you have more love uh, than a mass murderer. So you, in that sense, have qualities that God has instilled in us in creation, and that we have these things, although, of course, our power, our wisdom, and our love is not independent, is not infinite, and is not immutable. Only God is. Now, when we speak of power and wisdom and love and other such things, These are the attributes we often think of when we think of God. As the Westminster Shorter Catechism describes it in this question, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. The list is not exhausted, of course. For instance, where is God's love? In the Shorter Catechism, you think the Puritans forgot about God's love? No, it's a short list. But I want to narrow it down to those three things here. power of God, the all-power of God, the all-wisdom of God, and the all-love of God. The first point, God is all-powerful. His power is described, as we saw last week in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. That is, He created everything and anything that's within the heavens and the earth. Shorthand means everything. That's how powerful He is. He called it out of nothing. There was nothing there. There wasn't even space. I mean, when you think about, well, God was in the beginning, there was nothing there, and you think of blackness. It wasn't even blackness, I and mean, that's something. It's just God. And he spoke, and then it was something. The vast universe and all the stars and the planets and all the teeming life on earth and us. That's the power of God, the omnipotence of God Almighty. Psalm sixty-two, eleven: God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. He's not denying that you have power, that he has power, that he's fighting in a battle like David the psalmist, the king, does. But he's saying God has all the power. And by implication, what power we have is derived from him. Providence exists that we swim in because he is the power behind it. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen, we read, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. The power of God is described in striking detail with the rich ruler, it seems to me. A summary fashion is a better way of saying it. A striking summary, summary fashion. In Matthew nineteen nineteen, to recall the story, the young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, why do, what do I still lack? When Christ said, Honor your father and your mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. And he says, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard these things, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. As humorous as that sounds, maybe Jesus was being humorous, of an eye of a needle, the name of one of the gates of the city there, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples got the point. Verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? If it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Who can be saved? If they can't be saved, no one can be saved. It's an impossibility, they're saying. Shows you how confused they were about salvation here and about what it means to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What is he saying? God is omnipotent, all-powerful. It cannot stop God. God can do it. Even though man cannot bring himself into the kingdom of God because of his wretchedness and wickedness, God can and has done it through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is the power of God, not just in creation, of course, but exercised in salvation. His power exercised in general here, God can do His holy will. God can do His holy will. As a reminder, of course, I say this because we have questions. My daughter had this question a number of years ago when she was younger. If God can do anything... You know, what does that mean? Can he, can he make a square or a circle, right? Can he make a mountain so big he can't carry it? You've heard those philosophical games being played. Now, for the kid, they hear anything, they hear anything. That's why I said God can do his holy will. God can do all his holy will. And God's holy will is not irrational, not contradictory. God is not a man that he should lie or the Son of Man, that he should repent. No contradiction in God. You're not going to have those games going on. But whatever can be done, God can do it when man can't do it. That's the point. That's the power of God. He is not limited in providence, and he's not limited in salvation to save his people. And this is important because many people teach that the creator God of the universe who spoke and it came into being out of nothing, not like us. We have to have a little clay, have a computer, have software, have wood, and do and make God spoke and it was there. And they say, this God has to wait on beauty man to exercise his will before he is saved. What kind of a God is that? Our God is a powerful God in heaven and earth doing his holy will. And no one shall stay his hand and say, what have you done? That is our Lord and our master. It's a twofold power that I mentioned earlier. The power in providence, who was born, where they're born, how they're born happens because of God and his providence. Providence is God's plan outworked in history across this universe. It's our history. It's God's plan unfolded, and we see it in the rearview mirror. There it is. That was his plan from the beginning. Wherever you are born, however you are born, whatever family you find yourself in, that is God putting you as only he can by his power and exercise and control over all things. Moses was born at the right time to the right people. The princes of Egypt were the right place at the right time. You're here this morning, the right place at the right time because of God's power. You say, I walked here, Pastor. I got some sleep last night. I had some food. That's true. But none of that would exist without God. That's how powerful he is. That's his omnipotence exercised in history. And not just in providence, but in salvation. From eternity past, he can make his plans come true and has. No one deserves heaven. That means what? It's up to God to save man. It's as simple as that. It's not like people are sitting there going, God, would you please save me? Why is it God saving me? No, people hate God. They hate Him differently. They hate Him in different ways. We kind of think of, well, if people hate God, they must be a bunch of Hitlers. No, no, there's different ways of expressing hatred and denial, fleeing from the truth, and suppressing an unrighteousness. God can overcome that. Ephesians, that we had read here, tells us that he predestined us from eternity past. And it says it again in the earlier parts that whole those whole verses there from 3 to 14 are one sentence in the Greek. Verse 4 we read, just as he chose us, he, God's doing the choosing in him before the foundation of the world, before anything was created, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption. If you didn't get it right the first time, you got to hear the second time more explicitly. Having predestined us to adoption as his sons, sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according According to what? Man's free will, man's decision, man's good works, man's baptisms, man's circumcision. What? Church attendance? No. According to the good pleasure of his will. It's God's decision. Because God has the power and all the power. And we have no power to save ourselves. And then as we read here in Ephesians uh, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins, according to the riches of his grace. Amen. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in himself, not purposed by anyone else, according to his good pleasure, not according to your good pleasure. In him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, there it is again, according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, because he has the power. And that's a comforting fact, brothers and sisters, because when you wake up to the reality of sin and the power of the the flesh and of sin, of the world and of the devil, and you feel hopeless before that, you realize God is on your side, and it's not hopeless. Without God, it is hopeless. That's what you see in the world. They are consumed by their desires. They're consumed by darkness in the prince of power of this air, of this world. But we have God who has power over sin. Satan cannot stop God. Your sin cannot stop God. You cannot stop God. When he saves you, he saves you to the uttermost, as only he can. That's his power and might exercised, not just in providence, but in salvation of your soul. And we read this in summary fashion in Genesis 50-20 to finish the first point. 50-20, you all know this one. But as for you, Joseph says to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about to this day to save many people alive. Because it's part of God's pl- power and plan. It's so not just his desire. He meant it. He meant it because he can do it. He doesn't have wishful thinking. Oh, I just I really want to save this person. He just, well, let me do it. A thousand times, no, God has all power in this creation. He can open hearts and does and guides things in providence, the cause and effects, the chains, it seems to us a nigh-infinite chain of decisions, interwebbing decisions, from him being thrown into the pit to when he's many years older and here standing before his brethren and being the second most powerful man in Egypt. was all in God's plan and exercised by God, as only God can by his power. And that brings us to the second point. The wisdom involved in all the decisions, not just of the people, of Joseph's brothers, of the slave traders that came by, of people in Egypt who decided to take him. He's in jail, the jailer. I, he decided one day to take a left instead of a right, and he never met Joseph and never got him out. Whatever, whatever the case is. And, just, and then the animals, some animal distracts some guy at the wrong time, in the wrong place. You've all know the story from lack of the nail, the shoe was lost, the lack of the shoe, the leg was lost, the lack of the, leg, the horse was lost, the lack of the horse, the battle was lost, the lack of the battle, the war was lost. It could take one little thing. God is behind all that. He makes it all work as only he can with his infinite wisdom. His wisdom is, beho- is amazing to behold. In creation, of course, the beautiful constellation of the skies, the intricacies of the human body, the depth of mathematical precision, all point to the reality of God's wisdom and knowledge prudence, infinite in reach, immutable in form, powerful in execution. We read negatively in Proverbs 21.30, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. Nobody can outthink him positively in Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding, because he's the fount of all wisdom. In creation, we read, in particular, how he exercises his wisdom in Psalm 104, "O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. this great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. There the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. These all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. When you give them, they gather in, you open their hand, and they are filled with good. You know, we talk about these billionaires being smart, or maybe we don't, maybe we complain about them, but they are smart. Dummies don't run multi-billion dollar corporations and become successful. And the intricacies involved in that, and all the connections and the friends that you have, and to know when to speak and not to speak, and all the experience they have, nothing in comparison to a fraction of the fraction of the infinite depth of God's wisdom in guiding and directing all things to his predetermined plan. How much wisdom does it take to raise a child? How much wisdom does it take to run a business? How much wisdom does it take to get through life? How much wisdom does it take to run an entire universe? From the greatest star to the smallest quark. All on time, all going the same way they're supposed to go. In all things, they all go in one direction. Romans 11.33, when we grasp and meditate upon God's wisdom as exercised in providence, in the world around us in our minds the number of neurons and cells just in the brain alone is staggering oh the depth and the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of god how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who has known the mind of the lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and he should be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever amen And that's doubly so in salvation. We read in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Who could have made a salvation that could bring sinners to heaven? Who could have justified sinners? That's what God has done. You are saved by grace. Your justification, your forensic declaration by the judge of the universe who says you are perfect. It's not because you are perfect, but because Christ is perfect. And it's imputed to you by faith alone, in Christ alone. Only God could come up with that plan. Everyone else, all the other religions in the world you know, don't have that plan. Work harder, meditate more, none of those things compromises. The Roman Catholic Church is a very good example of that. They talk about grace. You can be caught flat-footed talking to Roman Catholics. They believe in grace, but their grace is a truncated grace, often even redefined, where you have to do something. You have to be somewhere. You have to go somewhere to get God's grace to do something. We know that we, we who were lost in sin, dead in transgressions, Ephesians 2, know that we would never and can never add to God's grace. It is all of him and his wisdom and prudence he brought Christ Jesus to earth to live and die and to take our place as only God can do. The wonderful wisdom, the knowledge, and prudence of God to coordinate history and redemption from eternity past, from the fall to Christ on the cross and beyond for our salvation, displays his wisdom and prudence and knowledge. And it also displays his love. God is not only all-powerful, all-wise, but all-loving. His love described in creation, of course, He cares for all things, from the birds and the water to man. I mean, Christ says that. God takes care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. You don't think He takes care of you? Even the wicked have rain for the crops from God. But that's not the kind of love, certainly a weaker kind of love than the kind of love that we know for ourselves. Zechariah 3.7, Lord, your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. It's important to have that kind of love and to understand it exercised towards us, brothers and sisters. Exercised towards us. People talk about perhaps the love of mankind by God, and from there they try to sneak in some kind of general atonement. God kind of really wanted to save everybody, but really didn't, and he only gave it to the elect. The love that God has for us is qualitatively different than the creational care that he has for this world where he gives rain for the just and unjust Christ, says that. You cannot deny that. But to confuse the two categories is very dangerous. The love that God has for us, a special love, a unique love. I mean, if you sit there and talk about your parents, oh, my parents are wonderful, wonderful parents. They're well-educated. They love everybody. The kids are kind of like, yeah, we know. <laughs> you know they really love everybody. I keep talking about it all the time. What about me? And that happens in the church, unfortunately, if we're not careful. God loves you with a special love. And that's why I got to Zechariah three seven. He will quiet you with his love, a love directed and geared only towards you, toward God, towards God's people. Deuteronomy 7, 7, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, that you were somehow special and big and make me glorious because of so many of you. For so you were least of all the peoples, but because the Lord loves you. Romans 5, 1, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us and not anyone else. That's his love. God is love, as we read from the Apostle of Love. Ephesians 1-4, just as he chose us in him before, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Love and predestination are intertwined. He sets his love on you from eternity past. Before you were born, he chose you because God is for you. God is not limited in his power in his wisdom and his love because he is all-powerful, all-wise, and all-loving. Who is his power exercised towards? Who is the recipient of his wisdom? To whom did he direct all things for good because of his love to us? Brothers, to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as the sons of Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, in the praise of his glory, of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 1, 3 through 3-14, a Trinitarian doxology in which he talks about power of God, predestination, and choosing three times. He talks about wisdom and prudence, and he talks about his love two or three times. All the major attributes there, the ones that we think of often, God is all-powerful, God is all-wise, and God is all-loving. And it's not just in the abstract, but directed towards you, brothers and sisters. His power from eternity past exercised into time and space for your redemption. His wisdom from eternity past implemented in history for your salvation. And His love from eternity past here with you right now. Let us pray. We thank you, God. Thank you for this message. As only you can in your providence, give it to us. That We ought to be encouraged that you love us and have a wonderful plan for us. As we can say for those who are His people. Help us, God, to flee discouragement, but to embrace, Lord, the truth of who you are, to know that the world, the flesh, and the devil cannot touch us because your all power, your all wisdom, and all love is directed for our good. In name alone we pray. Amen. On the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all. Amen.